0: Good afternoon, and welcome to The Voice of Wisdom. With over 60 years of experience as an investment banker, entrepreneur, investment analyst, economist, and venture capitalist, Morty Davis is Wall Street and capitalism personified. The the over 400 companies for which he has raised more than $3 billion over the years have created a countless number of jobs and exciting new products. Through The Voice of Wisdom, Mr. Davis explores, analyzes, and debates the most topical, political, economic, and social issues facing our world today. Joining Mr. Davis today is Esty Stoller, who will be discussing with Mr. Davis his fascinating life story. Please join the conversation by calling 332-263-3300. And now, Mr.
1: Davis.
2: Hi, welcome back. Today I'm going to share with you some of the secrets of how to be... um, Productive, successful, and uh, predominantly have a satisfac- satisfa- satisfying life. Um, it would take me really about uh, two and a half years to do that, but I'll, I'll give you some, I hope, useful insights and and suggestions of how you can have a, a more full of fulfilling and uh, happier and um,
0: That sounds good enough. So far, if you just give me that, I'll be happy already. <laughs> so happier and fulfillment, that sounds good. Success, icing on the cake.
2: So I plan to give you, as, as I wrote in my book, From, from Hot Knocks to Hot Stocks, I, I, I was really the most hopeless um, young man at 14, I dropped out of school, and, and my high school average, when I finally got out, was uh, just about enough to, to get out of school. I, went, I graduated from uh, Central Girls High School in Brooklyn.
0: What? You're a guy. How do you graduate from Central well, Girls High School? I was high?
2: ahead of my time. <laughs> <laughs> Today, it's a guy who goes, no, during the daytime, it's all girls. And at night, it was, a, uh, it was in the worst section of Brooklyn, Bed-Stuy section of Brooklyn all my classmates the girls mostly were already had juvenile records and even some of them were prostitutes at that time I didn't I didn't even know what a prostitute was
0: we're glad to hear that
2: <laughs> and uh, so why and, did you uh, have to go to that school and, and the boys because uh, that's the only school that would take me I had such <laughs> a bad average I dropped out and I you know I rebelled and the only thing that that remained with me out of the, all, all the things I was subjected to at the uh, yeshiva, the um, Hebrew parochial school that I was went to was a, a respect for studying and learning. So once I stopped rebelling, I went back of my own volition. Wow. And I found a school that would take me in. Uh, I tried some others and they, they said, uh, no, you're... You're too good for them. (laughs) You're too good for for us.
0: So you're saying that education was the value that you got from your rabbis in the schools. Is that a Jewish value? Is that a common value? What do you think of education in general?
2: It's an overwhelming value of the Jewish people. It's it's more more important to study and learn than to pray. So that's certainly a very high value. And it
0: applies to everybody. Education is the way to the future. I'm sure it was that way in America then, too. So what happened? You're in high school with your friends.
2: What friends? I, <laughs> these, 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 uh, mostly, it was mostly a, a black uh, the population or demography. Uh, them,
0: them, but you're saying that these were people who, like yourself, were trying to come back and get high school right. diplomas. So but, what happened after but that? They
2: came, but they came back to school with shivs in their boots. What's a shiv? A, a sort of a long knife. In those days, nobody could afford guns. Oh. So, so are you
0: saying, let me get this clear, that you made a sacrifice. You endangered your life for your education.
2: Right. And what
0: I, happened from there?
2: And I didn't learn very much either. <laughs> the only thing I took, I, I took up Spanish during that high school career. And the only thing I remember of all that high school was on Christmas, we sang, No chide pa. <laughs> No, cha-dam, or excuse my voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's a uh, silent night, holy night. So that that remained with me. But I really didn't study very much. I didn't care.
0: So when did your life turn around? I mean, I, I heard the introduction. You're a successful businessman. you back in high school. How old were you at the time?
2: Um, About. I got out of night, high, high school. I was... Almost 20, I think. Wow. And
0: then what happened from there? Were you married, single? What
2: happened? So what happened was, um, let's see what happened. (laughs) Well,
0: did you meet your wife then? No,
2: no. I I, I met my future wife then, but she wasn't too excited about meeting (laughs) me. So I didn't have a lot of hope. Okay, let me take this guy. He's a fabulous guy, Paul Koppel, one of my favorite Harvard Business School classmates. Paul, how are you? Hey, hey, good morning, it's just great. I
1: was reading your book last night, as a a matter of fact.
2: (laughs) You were reading my book, the sound wasn't on. You were reading my book last night, yeah? And what happened? It's
1: absolutely marvelous.
2: Really, did you recover yet? (laughs) But <laughs> yeah, well, what ahead. I
1: wanted to know was on that first examination, where where you got a D for distinction, um, who were the other two of you and two other guys? Maybe one of them was Rod Carnegie, I don't know, but who were they? Do you have any probably, idea?
2: It was probably Rod Carnegie and Tom King.
1: Oh, and Tom King, yeah, there we go. Can I ask a question, D? What wonderful company that that those guys had with you.
2: I was so insecure. They all had such great accents. Uh, Rod Carnegie was from Australia and Tom King spoke beautiful English and I came from Brooklyn with this, with this, uh, I don't know what to call it, (laughs) with this accent. In Brooklyn, we used to say Earl instead of "oil," so um, I, I thought I was. Yeah, I, I thought I was going to be dropped out right away because they they said ten percent of the class was going to get dropped out. That was at that time. That was the uh, the uh, no, notice they gave you, so yeah, to motivate you to do well, so you wouldn't be one of the ten percent. But I always thought uh, one any day they're going to tell me I'm. I'm one of the (laughs) 10%. So, but the first, actually the first exam, I don't know if you remember it. I came home and told my wife, you know, I I went back to school at that time, to Harvard Business School with three little babies, three little, the oldest I think was maybe four or five. And uh, thankfully I'll I'll never forget, Harvard was so good to me because we didn't have, uh, at that time we didn't have dorms on a campus. For married couples, as we, as they do now, so they paid for my uh, uh, rent off campus. They paid for furniture. Uh, they paid for my tuition. They were the most. I'll never forget how great they were. And even when I went back to to reunions, because my wife uh, wouldn't and I wouldn't travel on Saturday, uh, our our classmate John MacArthur. Hosted me and let me stay at uh, his home on the campus. It was fabulous. So I became very good friends with John <laughs> MacArthur, who sadly, uh, who sadly passed away about two, two maybe two years ago.
0: What
2: about the yeah, D? I'm what are you upset sure. about the D? About the D, yeah. Getting the a D, I got, I got so upset. I thought D was uh, like uh, terrible, you know. So, but, but no, the worst thing was, I don't know if you remember, there was a, a case with 52 trucks or something and-, uh, <laughs> and uh, I certainly do. Right, so that was the first exam, the first day. And I sat there reading, I'm a slow reader, you know, and I study and review it. Even when I read a novel, I, I keep reading over and over again. I read the Times, I read the same words over and over again. My daughters can read a book in a, a novel in an hour and a night. I read a novel; it uh, <laughs> takes me a month. Same thing they read in one night. So I, I was still reading this case if the four hours. And the only thing I had written in my four blue books was my name. <laughs> so I came home and I told Rosie, my wife, I said, "Rosie, I think I flunked out." because I didn't even uh, wasn't even, even able to be uh, answer one one uh, the or the main question you know I wasn't I didn't even finish reading the case and studying and stuff so, so the next, fortunately the next day when we came the announced the, the professor announced uh, that that was a dry run and it's not going to count so after that I I learned how to not read faster but you know, identify the the most important things and, and study the numbers rather than read. And I did much better. I yeah, filled well, out four Pardon me?
1: You what? did brilliantly at um, Harvard and, wow, your <laughs> what you did afterwards and particularly with D.H. Blair and getting rid of those two guys because they were willing to give you options on their stock and getting the whole firm behind you. I mean, it's just absolutely wonderful. And I compliment you. I cheer
2: you. You see why he's my favorite classmate? (laughs) uh, And I don't even pay him a a PR fee. Thank you, Paul. I love you. You're the only one that made you. You're the first one that got me back to New York City after since the pandemic began. That's how much I, I love you and, and wanted to meet up with you.
1: Well, you were really good to come, and I'm sorry that we had to run and catch that darn train, but in any event, we did, so.
2: Well, I have to tell you, part of the, find, Paul, I have to tell you part of the let's truth. Let's find another one. Yeah, okay, but I have to we- tell you part of the truth. You you got me motivated when you said you'd pick up the tab <laughs> for lunch. <laughs> so uh, I was uh, really excited to meet with you and and your new uh, or oh, your more recent wife. Your your right. wife passed away or, or or divorced. I forgot. Uh, she she married a
1: doctor and lives out in California. Oh, that's... in San Francisco.
2: Yeah. Well. Smart move to marry a doctor. As you get older, that's probably the best move you can make.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, my father always speaks very, very highly of you, and it's a pleasure, and believe me, if you ever are in this neighborhood, you come, because he won't only pick up the tab. He'll treat you like the king that you are.
2: Thank you, Estella. Anything else you want to say? Uh, maybe you want to abuse me a little that You've been too nice. I can't take it. You know, if you're Jewish, well, you figure inti- Paul, if you're Jewish, you know you're entitled yeah. to amount, a certain amount of uh, abuse and, and and aggravation. So when, when I get a good call like this, I don't know how to handle it. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Well, I
1: have some Jewish blood in me, so... Uh- it's always an interesting question. What uh, I wish I had you and I had stayed in contact after leaving Harvard, and I had always wanted to have my own business, and I had always wanted to be in the venture capital, leverage buyout world, mm-hmm. and I did my best with that. But boy, nothing even remotely. Similar to your success, and Morty, you are—you are amazing.
2: Yeah, you're amazing. You're not.
1: I can't talking... catch up with you now, but I can—I can send copies of or, or uh, editions of your book to my children, and even more importantly, to my grandchildren, and suggest that they read every word of it.
2: i told told that story that I met with Pete Peterson. He was a former Secretary of Commerce. And he and uh, Schwartzman started uh, Blackstone after they were kicked out of Lehman. Blackstone. Blackstone, right? You know Blackstone?
1: I bought it at eight and a half. Oh, I love it. Good for you.
2: <laughs> yeah, so the two of them were thrown out of Lehman. They were very embarrassed. And No partners ever were thrown out of Lehman before. And see, you never know what to wish for because had they not left the... Uh, Lehman uh, been, been pushed out of Lehman they would have ne- never started Blackstone and at Blackstone they were making uh, a, a year in salary a uh, billion dollars a year wow. plus stock options plus uh, what do you call it
0: can I ask you a question what kind of life lessons do we learn from that because I'm into life lessons and I always learn from you and I like people to learn from your wisdom
2: you never know what's what's a blessing and what's a curse. So be, be happy with as your life rolls along and um, and um, be careful what you wish for because you may get it. <laughs> you know, the same thing happened with, uh, I don't know if you realize, um, Paul, uh, Mike Bloomberg, whenever he meets me uh, or whenever he introduced me, I've been to his... House a lot of times for fundraisers for other politicians. And I take pictures with him, and he always says to the guy I'm taking pictures with the two of them, he says to the guy, the politician that he's raising money for, he says, You wouldn't believe it, but Morty wouldn't hire me when I got out of Harvard Business School. So I told him, Mike, you were meant for much bigger and better things. But Bloomberg was at, I don't know if you remember, Bloomberg was at Salomon. And he was doing great. He was in yeah. the, he was in the bond department. I don't, I don't know exactly what he did in the bond department, but they had a big uh, scandal or a big uh, uh, hit financially. And I, I, Warren Buffett came in and put in a lot of money in, in a, in a, as a preferred, in a preferred, and literally saved them and helped rebuild it. Uh, but they they decided to close that department because that's the one that put him in jeopardy of very survival. So he was kicked out of Bloomberg and he told me he was so brokenhearted, you know, because he didn't do anything wrong. He was one of the best guys in the department, but they, they had no no role for him in that department. And they, they couldn't think of anything, any place where they would put him. So because he was kicked out of that, he started Bloomberg Financial services, and I think today he's worth about 50 or 60 billion dollars. So it was such a bad break that he was thrown out. But he's uh, it was the biggest blessing in his life, you know. And
0: he didn't work for you for a short time, or he just got advice from you. But he feels so close to you, I know that. So, what is
2: it? Because no, no, We, we, we had a good interview, but at that time, uh. I didn't see uh, what, what he could do for us.
0: Oh, because he was a different department. You we weren't going in that, that direction. Shows,
2: that shows how brilliant I am. Paul Capral was saying how brilliant I was, you know? He, he, that he wasn't his role. He
1: business plan first. <laughs> right.
2: Oh, my God. I just wish I had a piece of him, you know? He's so great.
0: But, yeah, friendship. But there were other people who worked for you, I remember, who became...
2: Great. Yeah, and, no, I
0: did, a, and you gave people a lot of opportunities, which is the most important
2: I, thing. I did a lot of uh, exciting things, particularly in healthcare, and in, uh, I wanted to do mostly uh, health-related, medical-related uh, activities or or investments or funding for those kind of companies. Because I always said, if I could help cure cancer, I, I'd give everything, every penny I had, because. I wouldn't, you know, or not only cancer, but heart disease and the things that kill the people I love. Parkinson's, my wife passed from about a year ago, just a year ago from Parkinson's, and Alzheimer's. If I could cure those, I, I'd give every penny I have because to me that's more important. But in the process, I did a deal for uh, for Jonas, uh, Jonah's Salk. Sock. Sock. But the fellow who um, who um, uh, cured uh, found the cure for polio. We remember we had a classmate. I don't know if you know him very well, uh, Me- Dick Menchel yes. Oh, you, you know Dick? Because well, we, sure right. yeah, Paul Copeland was saying the house how smart I was and how well I did. He was a partner of the best firm in Wall Street. He was the partner at Goldman Sachs. So he's just very modest. But Jim Menchel was well, one he ago. was
1: on the management committee. He was, a, he was a very senior person.
2: Yeah. And he and was, he, uh,
1: you know, he's been able to keep it going.
2: Yeah, he's been a big contributor to Harvard and uh, n- a number of very uh, vital and worthwhile uh, philanthropies. He's a great guy. But he was unlucky because he was one of the last guys in, in the United States that, Was hit with polio.
1: Oh my God. Um, Well, he caught it when he was in the Air Force in Turkey.
2: Oh, really? I never knew that part of the story. Were you in his section? Oh, no, you were in my section. No. Section B. Wow. I was
1: was in your section. I was one of those dumb guys. I I (laughs) I think we
0: have two of the most humble people here. I find that greatness, it says in the Torah, it says, and God, greatness usually goes hand in hand with humility. So I compliment both you and you for the humility that you're showing, but you are great and you lead the way and we have a lot to learn from you.
2: I always say I have a lot to be humble about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, I'll How say you? that in,
1: in, in double in space. <laughs> the, uh,
2: well, completely uh, Mort, um, Who's the most humble of us?
1: <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't catch the, the information that you mentioned the other day about a, a professor, research professor at Baylor who's on to a potential oncology drug,
2: Yeah, I heard it correct. I'm in the process of helping uh, my best friend, uh, Steve Gorlin, um, raise some money for for. for I I believe, I, I wish I had more cash available. I'd buy I'd Fund the whole thing, but I, I don't have the cash that I used to have.
0: But let me ask you: You said polio. Let's go back to that. What was your involvement with the polio? With did you were you involved at all with bringing the I, I wasn't responsible
2: for giving. <laughs> but, uh, Paul, right? but we
0: were responsible I'm glad it this. happened
2: in, in Turkey so I couldn't get blamed
0: but the research that you said you helped fund it you, you, I know you did biotech no, companies no. that
2: brought people to different places which are the companies that you Look, had Jim Wolfenson who was a classmate of ours yes, called me up he really called me up of, uh, about uh, getting shares in a company he called me up he said Mori I gotta get shares in this company I said it's all oversold and everything he said, "Morty, you got to get me some shares." I love the guy. I love the, I love the company. So I got him some shares. I had to cancel, a few people and reduce them by, a number of shares. But he was great. And there was a fellow at, at Harvard. What do you remember his name? Uh, that uh, Len, Lenzy, my my exec, chief executive assistant. Uh, the name of the guy at uh, Harvard that was. Uh, Um, uh, the scientist that created uh, Entremed. What is Entremed? Entremed was a company that uh, I took public that at one time made the front page of the New York Times for some cure they had. And it went up from, uh, it closed on Friday at 7, and it opened Monday at 100.
0: Wow. But you've had other successes. I remember being your daughter, I happened to walk into your office now and then and see these little, um, I don't know, mementos or um, different kind of things that you had. So what are the companies that you're most proud of? Of course, we jumped from the guy in high school. But which are the companies that you most right, proud for of?
2: Junk for, from a few things. <laughs> but, uh. You'll
0: have to stay tuned to the rest of his life. Right now he's in high school <laughs> as a kid. It's called Morty Goes to High School. And <laughs> then we have. I tell you, it would take a year, more
2: than a year, maybe more than two years to, to fully uh, reveal to you and, and assist you in. Uh... Judah Folkman was the guy's name at Harvard. His father was a rabbi. And he was the nicest guy. He, he developed a, a cancer treatment uh, that won him many prizes. Unfortunately, he died before he could get a Nobel Prize. Wow. But it was, it was, he found a way to restrict blood from reaching the cancer. And so the cancer would die by itself. Do you know what they call that, tech, that uh, technology, Len? No,
0: you're a scientist. Let me ask. You, I don't need the science. I want to know no, what your it, part was. In I, just, it. I
2: just want to tell you what a lovely guy he was. Because I used to call him locally. There's an oncologist, and he had a patient who was very bad. And he called me and said, "Morty, do you have anybody? That, you know, I know you're very involved in medical and treatments and cures. Do you have anybody that can help me with the cancer?" Uh, when, when, yeah. uh, you know that has a treatment for cancer because this patient I like very much and she's in very bad shape. So I called um this Mr. Folkman or who would you call? Him? Judah Falkman. Yeah. He meant he what he he meant it was uh, stop loss blood blood vessels growth. It was called anti angiogenesis.
0: Wow. What
2: he developed. I get such a long uh, Name, I, I never got to spell it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so he was such a great individual because I called him up and I right. said, uh, you know, I have a, a guy who has a patient and uh, he'd like to get some guidance from you. So I says, look, I can't do it in, 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 all day. I'm in the lab. I don't get out till about 10 o'clock. But if he wants, I'll, I'll give you a number that he could call me at 10 o'clock. Wow. And have him call me. This oncologist called me back sometime later, and he said, Morty, I've learned more from Judith Folkman than I learned at medical school, and all the people I've treated since then." So he was such a wonderful guy. He gave so. That wasn't the only time he, you know, did that. He, uh, a number of people called him. But you calls, connected them, them, right? Yeah. I want
0: to give you a little credit. Let me ask you. So you brought this company public, or what happened on that
2: show? I brought the company public. Wow! And it had the it had a product there that Steve Goland deserves all the credit for. He brought in a product that when when I was younger, uh, brought a lot of babies into this world uh, that had fingers, uh, the, what he called right, shortened I know. shortened arms for yeah. the. Uh, yeah. It was a terrible,
0: terrible thing. And it was called,
2: what was that called again? Uh, I know, but what? It it was called? Thalidomide. Thalidomide. Oh, my God. And we had, uh, Steve Golan got it for Antramed, And the president of the company, the handsomest guy ever, I I would put him in any centerfold of any company because he was so handsome. But unfortunately, he was not so uh, brilliant because he sold that to Selgene, and Celgene became went up about since then about fifty billion dollars because it, it you can not
0: have everything good looks and be smart, but it's can't. really the Maslow it's no, really no, no, love.
2: No. god God works in mysterious ways not really messed up Collins, uh, great company because thalidomide, it turns out it despite that it was very devastating for women and they were even, pregnant yeah. Yeah, who gave who were giving birth, uh, devastating to them. Right. So much so that the FDA was so badly criticized because they released it. They said it too early before they checked it all out, and it changed the attitude of the FDA. They now take much longer before that they approved drugs much faster. But um, it's it's amazing. Something so how did the What is it So do dev- good? So devastating. For these women and their kids, but it turned out that it cures, it helps, it's the best treatment for brain cancer. Wow! So,
0: well, look at Botox, it was supposed to help one thing, and now there are plenty of women who are thankful to Botox.
2: Does it help anything?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want a freezy smile, I guess, but uh, you're uh, telling me that there were companies. Wait, that... I just
2: wanted to finish about the Peterson and the book. Oh. so I, one time Mike Bloomberg was r- running for mayor the first uh, crack he had at uh, campaigning for mayor. So he invited me um, to the 21 Club. I'm sure you've been there, Paul, and uh, for lunch. And I handed him a check, Mike. And he, first time ever in my life, a politician handed a check back to me. Because <laughs> he said, Morty, I'm not taking money from sure. anybody. I'm funding it all myself. So I, fr- I framed that check. Because every other politician, they don't stop calling me until uh-huh. they find out I'm I'm either bankrupt <laughs> or I got the last twelve dollars. They keep on calling me, and then if you ask them a favor, they absolutely guarantee they're going to do it for you, and you have no way of knowing what they did done, but it never happened. So, uh, although at one time I did uh, appeal to Clint, President Clinton and and uh, your old, your old partner, what was his name? Bob Rubin, who was Secretary of the Treasury. And they passed a bill that hardly anybody uses. The only guy that uses is the guy that left my firm and raises venture capital for companies. And he says, if you invest in my company, it's a startup under $50 million, and you sell it after six months, you you never have to pay a tax as long as you reinvest it in another qualified company. America It had to be an American company, not in real estate and not, not on a, a Wall Street firm or not in finance, but a company that would hire people. Anyway- he, Can I
0: just show this picture? Do you remember this guy, everyone?
2: Yeah, Bill Clinton.
0: Bill Clinton, there he is with my mother. It was probably her idea anyway. <laughs> so I got a like to give credit out there. So
2: I want to tell you. So at that luncheon, I sat down next to Pete Peterson, and we got to talk. So I said, Pete, you know, I just wrote a book, and I want to give you a, a copy." So I called my uh, my driver. I kept copies of the book in my trunk, in the trunk of my car, and he brought it up, and I handed the, the, uh, a, a specially inscribed. Copied to Peter and Peter, uh, Peterson. So Peterson said uh, to me, he said, Morty, I wrote a book too. And a a friend of mine called me up and said, Pete, it's Pete Peterson. Pete, uh, I want to tell you about your book. It's the kind of book, once you put it down, you can't pick it up. (laughs) (laughs) And here's a guy who's. There's a guy who was a Secretary of Commerce under Clinton and he was the major partner of Lehman and then a, the biggest guy on Wall Street because that's the biggest private equity firm and the most successful of all.
0: Well, you got a book, Happiness Guaranteed or Your Misery Back. I love it because it's every day another bit of advice. This kind of book, you can't pick up because it's heavy, but you want to pick it up. So it's the best book and really it says how to be happy no matter what and this book is worth reading
2: yeah i gave it to a member of the uh, fortune uh, 100 and he called me back and he ordered uh, another 100 books wow and he said i'm giving them as gifts because i read it every day and and it's so inspiring and it helps me so much so that i walked over to the television for my two boys and my wife were watching a television and I turned off the television and they start screaming, Dad, that's our favorite company. Con- uh, uh, not company. Uh, TV show? My yeah. uh, favorite, um, why did I get it mixed up with company? Maybe it was all company, uh, yeah. No, favorite, um, I don't know, favorite uh, program. Right. So, and they were angry at him, so he said, "Just DVR it," and he 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 did it. He D V R it, and he read them one one page of the book, and he said they really liked it so much that now it's a, a family uh, custom. Every day they read one page of the book. It's three hundred sixty five days of inspiring thoughts on how to be happy and how to get over adversities, and it's very very. Uh, encouraging and, and inspiring and will help make you ha- happier and, and successful and productive.
0: I think people assume that people who write about happiness didn't have any adversity. But as you were saying, your life started out pretty challenging and wasn't easy. Is that true? No,
2: that That's absolutely true. You learn more from adversity than you ever learn from success. So I had a hard beginning. I had a I had a really terrible uh, lifestyle, and um, that's why I quit school, because I was abused. Uh, so how did was, you
0: get back into this, like the Harvard whole thing? How did that happen? Here we are that in was, high school. Wait,
2: that's a great question. That was a miracle, because my father had arrived from Hungary, my mother from Poland. They didn't know anything about schools. Uh, they knew, my father knew, found out what's the best yeshiva, what's the best Hebrew parochial school in the United States. And he sent me to that school, but he didn't know about colleges or anything like that. And my brother and I only knew what, what our father taught us and, and little more, you know? So then my brother who went straight through school, he wasn't like me, rebellious. And uh, even though he got beat up too by the rabbis <laughs> and by my father, but uh, he went straight, straight through school and at that time, Brooklyn College was uh, free. Wow. So he, he went to Brooklyn College for free. I applied for Brooklyn College when I, when I graduated. I had three kids, and uh, I was about 22 or something, 23. And uh, I didn't go back to, to school, to Harvard, till I was 28. How come? Well, I had a family. I had three kids, and I was had a job, and, and I finished Brooklyn College for, in about eight years, <laughs> seven years in night school, wow, and the last year in, uh, in, uh, in day school. I matriculated after 30 credits. I, the first 30 credits I had to pay for yeah. because I had a 65 high school average, yeah. just enough to get me even in, to, to, to get accepted, much less get in free. But if you got a, like a B-plus average on the first, first 30 credit, you matriculated and then it was free. So I, I worked very hard. I got A's on the first 30 credits. Wow. And then I matriculated. But I, I still didn't know, you know what, what I was going to do, what, what my life was going to be. I wasn't studying hard. So then my brother was in an economics class. This changed his life and my life. My brother was in an economics class and the professor said, the average graduate of Harvard Business School, this was about 1949, I think. The average, uh, maybe 1950, something like that. The average graduate of Harvard Business School, 10 years out, makes $25,000 a year. $25,000 $25,000 a, a year in those days is more than if they tell you the average guy out of, a guy or girl out of, when, we, when you and I went, there were no girls in the in the class, but the average guy or girl today, if he gets only 25 million 10 years out, wow. he's, he's you know, he, but in those days, you know, uh, I, I went to the grocery with a dollar and I Got a bag full of groceries, and uh, you had change. I mean, uh, you know, we found a nickel on the street. We we were excited. Today you can't buy anything for a penny, a nickel, a dime, a quarter. It used to be you were able to put a quarter into your uh, parking meter. You can't even do that anymore. So money has become relatively compared to then. I, I think the average dollar is worth, in comparison, two cents, even though it's the same dollar.
0: So you're saying twenty five thousand was equivalent to minimum twenty five million could have been two hundred and fifty yes, million if you yeah, graduated. It was
2: impossible to believe. So my brother No, that's not quite
1: true, but anyway.
2: What?
0: We're it's just
1: exaggerating great, great, to make great, a great, point.
2: Certainly, Wait, I want to hear what Paul said. It's certainly
1: ten or eleven times.
2: Oh no, back. it's way, way more than it's it's fifty times. The New York Subway was a nickel. Uh, it's now three dollars or two seventy five. How many times is that? A lot, and I'm not right. even and a mathematician. The, and the Wall Street Journal was ten cents. <laughs> the Wall Street Journal was ten cents, yeah. And the Times was a nickel. The, the Sunday Times, so, yeah. Sunday Times was a, a dime. What's the Sunday Times today? Five dollars, I think. But anyway, let me ask you, yeah. So what so at Most it's worth three cents, four cents.
0: So what happened with your brother in the college?
2: No. So when he heard that, he made up his mind. He's going to. Uh, Harvard Business School. That was it. And when he told me about it, I decided that sounds good. You know, because somebody once asked me and a friend as we were walking down, we were about fourteen or fifteen. He said, "If you could get five thousand dollars a year for the rest of your life, would you take it?" So my friend said right away, "Absolutely." You know, sign me up. And I, I don't know. I, I was stupid, so I, I didn't know that I would take it. So I said. Um, I don't think so. Maybe I could do better, but you know, shows you how much money was. As a matter of fact, Paul, I don't know if you know this. When we got out of school, nineteen fifty nine, I was interviewed for a job at Shields and Company. The guy who interviewed me was the managing partner of Shields, and he was a yeah. former former uh, managing partner of Price Waterhouse. Wow. And he said, you know, we've never had a Jewish partner, but we're doing a lot of business with the, the very Catholic school, uh, management, very very religious, and very into uh, sailing and, and ships. Every uh, Monday, when I every uh-huh. I came to work, they were talking about the, the regatta they won or the, the ship won or something. And and I don't know if you remember Gary Cooper was it Gary Cooper? Or, uh, I think it was Gary Cooper married their daughter, their daughter, uh, uh anyway, and, and their son used to go to church every lunchtime, which was right back of, uh, where, where, where I worked at 44 Wall Street. I was on Pine Street, never missed a day. And I admire that. I like people that, that adhere to their religion. So anyway, um, Oh, so he told me, you know, we never had a Jewish partner. We'll make you a a manager in in uptown in Manhattan because we have a a lot of Jewish clients up there and so forth. But he said, we're doing a lot of financing for companies that are owned by Jews or have been founded by Jews. So you'd be great. You'd be the first Jewish partner. So I just said, okay, that sounded good. So then he said, and I'm going to start you with with a higher salary than anybody else that we've ever started because you have three kids. So I said, great. So what's the starting salary? $7,200 a year. That was in 59. So could you imagine? Today, what does the average guy get out well, of luck? Well, that market? was a lot. What? So did you that take was, the job? That was more than I got at Goldman Sachs. Really? Wow. What did, did you start with?
1: I started at uh, 6000 yeah. and I got a bonus. I, I started in July of 1959. I right. was paid at the rate of $6,000 a year. And at the end of the, and then in December, I got a, a $500 or $600 bonus and they raised me to $7,000.
2: Yeah, but remember, for I had to bring three kids to, <laughs> to, to get that highest salary. I think I think they started traditionally, guys at about $5. So $5,000. No, but I'm just giving you a frame of reference. But let
0: me ask you, did that's, you take the job? I never heard of yes, it. Oh, you did?
2: Yeah. Good. I started at Shields & Company. Oh. oh. I love talking to Paul because he remembers history. <laughs> <laughs> if you tell somebody today these well, stories. you know, Shields was great for tennis
1: and yachting.
2: Yeah. I don't know if you there know was. this. I don't know if you know this. Shields used to be bigger than Merrill Lynch, but they were doing a lot of financing during the Depression for, uh, well, maybe prior to the Depression, and they were hit by the Depression for uh, construction jobs and uh, uh, infrastructure. So they were funding bridges. So they they had just funded one bridge over uh, what was it? Uh, oh, that the government had promised or committed to uh, build access roads to, and, and the numbers look good. So Shields funded it. They've never, they never, they, when a, a crash came, when the when the government rolled back everything, they they didn't build the access roads. So since about 1930, the guy there was in a tow boot <laughs> waiting for <laughs> waiting for his first driver to get to get, get there.
0: Well, I have a and,
2: and the other bridge they built was over a body of water that, with their luck, the what the rivers shifted, and and uh, when the river shifted, they had a bridge over a, over a dry pond or something. <laughs> So they they had a lot of offices. They sold all their offices after that.
0: Could I share a memory? I just remember when you said Shields and Company. Yeah, we used to come visit you sometime in the office, and yeah. they used to let us sit at the front office. And they had a switchboard in those days with two wires, just yeah. like you see in the movies. You plug in here, you plug in here. So they'd say Shields and Company, and they'd ask for someone like this. So could I talk to Marty Devito? Or could I talk to Harry Roth? Or could I talk to uh, Joe Smith? And we had to match the operator with the other one. And we were little girls. And we thought the whole thing was just so much fun. And we just, I think they almost um asked us to leave very nicely. No more
1: switchboards. No right?
0: more switchboards. So much. And the elevator, guys, let's not talk about those memories. But I'm just so impressed with your dedication and the hard work. I mean, I lived through it. But just to hear it again, to actually live and, and to accomplish and I didn't even get to, I didn't
2: get to first place on... All the things I wanted to talk about. So
0: let's go. That's why the show goes from week to week. But, but
2: you, please continue. But you know, one thing the kids all ask me, how did you ever put those phones, you know, that you see on the walls in the old days? Oh. How did you ever carry them in your, in your pocket? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they can't imagine. Right. Nobody and knows it, what
0: a pay phone is or a house phone anymore.
2: Anyway, I want to uh, tell you one thing. Just always be optimistic. Always be upbeat. Always, uh, if nobody encourages you, you encourage yourself. Give yourself pep talks, and and never get discouraged. But definitely set goals for yourself. I mean, attainable goals. Look, I wanted to be Frank Sinatra or uh-huh. Elvis Presley, but early on, I was advised <laughs> that, <laughs> that even with a miracle, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't. Achieve any any job at, at singing or at anything like that, and a, a lot of other things. You got to know your limitations, but within your limitations, you you have to set goals and don't get discouraged. Uh, you know, I'll tell you a story about uh, about Bell. Uh, not about Bell, Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison. I love that story. Go ahead. Thomas Edison. I read it in your book, that's how I know it. Oh, another book. Thomas Edison, somebody walked up to him and said, Mr. Edison, how come you never gave up? You failed a thousand times and you never gave up. How come? He says, Who told you I failed a thousand times? The guy says, Well, it's common knowledge that you failed maybe more than a thousand times. So why didn't you give up? He says, I never t- t- Thomas Edison told him, I never failed once. He said, a thousand times I succeeded in finding out and learning what didn't work. So that's, that's the attitude you should have. You gotta, you gotta, I mean, truth is stranger than fiction. And, and if you pursue it, you could achieve almost every, anything you want. There's a great story about Einstein. It's, it wasn't what, doing so well in school in Germany. And the teacher told him to take home a letter to his mother and not open it, but give it directly to his mother. He was a little kid. And the mother opened the letter and read it. And then she told him, your teacher says, you're brilliant. You're gonna to go to the top of, of, of the universities. You're gonna be the, the most amazing success. And it was only years later, he found that lawyer that that letter, maybe he found a lawyer too. Found that letter, and he um, and he read it, and it was the most depressing, down-putting letter. He recommended the teacher recommended you should take him out of school and put in a put him in a special school because he'll never make it in school. never pass the second grade or anything. But she, she read the letter to him, gave him that encouragement. If she read him that letter, he probably would have been the biggest loser. So give yourself encouragement and, and keep working towards the goal, and you'll, you'll definitely get there.
0: Well, you're leaving us at, like, an exciting point. You heard that your brother could do well going to Harvard, and all of a sudden, so did you get into Harvard? Did you work hard afterwards? What was it like? And what about your children?
2: Oh, no. When, when i I never knew how to work uh, good for for grades but once I heard that I had three little infants uh, maybe the oldest was you at four or five and uh, we had three kids I had three kids by the time I was 24 and Razi had three kids by she was less than 18 when I married her so she had three kids by the time she was 21. wow she was she was somewhat <laughs> taken aback by it. There's times when she wanted to jump out the window. But uh, but once I heard that, I became so dedicated and so driven that I locked out my kids out of a room. I sat in a room with that only had a desk and some drawers and pens, and, or in those days pencils. Uh, and I sat facing the wall, no distractions, and I sat there all day and all night reading the textbook over and over and over again and and reading the professor's notes over and over and over again. And when I came to take the exam, I was like I was regurgitating what what I ingested, you know? So, it wasn't that I was that smart, but I was that dedicated.
0: Dedic- Let me ask you, where did you live at the time? A big house, a small house, an apartment? How many rooms did you have?
2: I lived with my in-laws. <laughs> oh, wow. I well, one day good. I'll tell you that story. <laughs> but anyway, um, when I graduated Brooklyn College, you and uh, your sisters and, and and my wife and me appeared on, on the front page of about... 12, in those days in Manhattan, there were, first of all, we lived in Staten Island. So we were in the front page of the Staten Island advance. That's the biggest newspaper in Staten Island. And then we were on the front page, our pictures of the Journal American at that time, the Daily News, the Daily Mirror, the, uh, uh, the PM, the Post.
0: Wow. We had
2: about 12, 14 different papers. The one paper that didn't have a picture of us was New York Times, but it had an article about us. Because wow. Brooklyn College, I graduated summa cum laude or magna cum laude, I forget which, probably magna cum laude, Five Beta Kappa. But, you know, my story was it took me years to get out. Maybe that's <laughs> 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 maybe it's how dumb I was, and I got out after eight years. But so uh, You
0: said you graduated top of the class, so yeah, I don't think so. Yeah.
2: So anyway... They thought it was a good uh, PR for the college, so they released my picture and, and my three kids.
0: I think it was also a human interest story to teach that you could be poor, you could work hard, you succeed, and you did it against a lot of odds. So yeah. you might talk about Einstein and you might talk about these other people, but here is somebody who's living today who people could meet, who could yeah. read about it.
2: So my brother, know. my brother actually applied before I graduated college. And he was rejected. And then he went to Columbia University, got a master's in economics, and then he applied again. In those days, unlike today, today you got to have two years of work experience before you can end the Harvard Business School. But in those days, two-thirds of my class came right out of college. One-third. I was lucky I had a lot of work experience. So it helped me. I had a frame of reference that was more because, you know, the guys that just got out of college, whenever they said the employees were happy, they said, give them a raise. You know, they, they when they said the union wants to join, they said, so let the union, you know, they didn't have any feeling about what it's right, right, like in the real world. So now they want you to do that two years before you, they'll accept you. So he went to Harvard Business School. He kept writing with that. flunk and and flunking, you know, And meanwhile, he was a Baker Scholar, which was the highest award they give at the uh, Harvard Business School. He went on to become a, uh, get his master's, and then he took a doctorate at uh, Harvard Business School. So he became a PhD, and he became Dr. Philip David, Philip Davidowitz at the time. Uh, But now he had a wife that wanted a be More assimilated, so she's she made him change it. Um, Dr. Philip D. Legally, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's he and his kids are Dr. Uh, David. Uh, one of his kids is working for the best company supposedly uh, in the United States, but, but best financial company, best uh, investment company. It's all, oh, what is it, How does you pronounce it? Bow, bow post, bow post. And, and it's, they're so bright there that Warren Buffett calls them at least once a week. And he worked at Goldman Sachs for two years, my nephew. And they begged him to stay on. They said, you're going to be a major partner and everything. But he said, I can't. My, girl, my girlfriend is an undergraduate at Harvard and I want to be with her. And so he went back. They said they'd pay his the tuition. They'd, they'd do anything he wanted. But he said, I can't. Love conquers all so he he got a he graduated tops in his class because he and his brother went to school in uh in England. My brother moved to England, and they said the schools in England were so so tough that when they came to Harvard undergraduate it was a joke you know they had no problem what? and this this young man, James David, has become one of the smartest top guys. At this firm, the second after he was there two he like two after two and a half years, they gave him a ten million dollar bonus because he made a billion dollars for the firm. Wow.
0: So I yeah. don't want to deviate, but I just want to say that they started in a different place. You started at the bottom, worked very hard, worked your way up, met challenges, overcame so much. Did you at least go to your Harvard graduation with all that? No. Why not?
2: I had to get back uh, to. To uh, work, I didn't have. What any, kind of work were you doing? I didn't have any money.
0: Oh, what kind of I, work were you
2: doing? No, I went back to right away the, the next day to shields.
0: So you didn't, I didn't even take have a any chance.
2: Time, time off? No, I needed the money, you know, I didn't have any money. Well, wow, because I also
0: but, understood that you were a waiter in the summer, and that yeah, you literally, every, I
2: went from, straight from being a waiter in uh, Catskills at a hotel. Labor Day came. I drove straight up to Harvard Business School. I think. The the next day or two days later, the the term started. Wow. I so, was at I was at the what do you call where, where I, we checked in, and they gave us a pile of books and the notes and a A guy next to me picked them up. He put them down. He said, "I'm out of here." <laughs> <laughs> he, he never showed up. This guy.
0: Well, so, I I know it's time to end the show, which I regret. I love being here with you, not only because you're my father, you're the smartest, most humble man Well, a history that we could all share. And it's a lesson that we could learn from and not to give up. Yeah, and take now, no now it's a
2: history because I voted, uh, how old am I now? I think I voted first for Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> so I could give you <laughs> real history. But so, I certainly could give you all, you all the all the history of the Second World War because I lived through that. All right, so next I, thing, right, I just next want to add one thing. To see more. One, one of the bad things that happened to me in my life was uh, the worst things was we were so poor during the Depression, and so I felt, you know, deprived because and, and, I, I somehow learned that other people had a better life. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known. But anyway, so my my drive, because they say, why am I still working so hard now? I, I don't go to sleep till 2, 3 in the morning. I still work that hard because it's, it, I'm running away from that, period from that depression i just don't want to be faced with that poverty or that that deprivation even though i've never made a lot of money a lot of my compatriots bought planes bought yachts bought the the only i wear this this cap this captain's cap for only one reason i once had a a ship oh really yes so but but then i lost the ship uh uh, but I thought I should call myself Captain. And but after I lost this, lost the ship, it's round in my bathtub. <laughs> I continued to wear this captain's hat. <laughs> well, not and,
0: only are you brilliant, but you're entertaining and have a great sense of humor and great lessons that we all And thank you for being here.
2: At least I got one fan. And thank you, Paul, you're for being on. You, you were a great guest. You're thank You're wonderful. You. You're wonderful. You're looking in the mirror. You're looking in the mirror there.
1: Morty, can you send me anything about that Baylor cancer, potential cancer drug?
2: Yeah, I will. I will. And if you like, if you have an interest or if you find anybody that has an interest, because I just started showing it only this last week. Uh, If you have anybody that has an interest, I'll introduce you. I'm somewhat
1: connected in in the Boston oncology world. Okay. I'll
2: I'll, I'll, I'll let them talk, or you talk, or the two of you. Any expert to talk to the inventor who's uh, received 37 patents, many prizes. He's been uh, nominated for the Nobel Prize several times. So... They'll love to talk to him. And he's had a great team up there. He's the chancellor of the medical school of Baylor University.
0: I'm saying good night and goodbye and yeah. thank you. We I'm have a, to, a meeting.
2: You can look him up. His name is Bert O'Malley. Tune
0: in next week. Everyone, come back.